Hello all, welcome or welcome back to And Everything In Between. I'm your host, Mela. This episode is going to be a little different because I am actually interviewing someone and my interviewee is right next to me and I'm interviewing my grandma, who I call Teta, that's in Arabic. So I'm just going to be asking her some questions and it's just going to be kind of an interview style. So I hope you guys enjoy this style episode. Okay, so my first question is, if you were to introduce yourself, what would be the most important things that you'd want a stranger to know about you? If I introduce myself to a stranger, I would say my name. I would just tell them where I came from and uh, why I am in this country and uh, just see how it goes. So I already know some of your interests, but can you tell me directly what are some of your interests that can include subjects you enjoy studying in school, your favorite hobbies, any pastime activities you have? Best hobby is reading. And I love to read books that were written at Victorian times and later, a bit later, more than the more recent books, even though I do read recent books because I'm living in this age. And I enjoy cooking, um, mainly not baking. I bake very little, but I love cooking. I love swimming. I used to swim a lot as a child, as a teenager, and even a young adult. And uh, my other interests, I am very interested in communicating with people. I love to interact face-to-face or on the phone, and I am the type who will not do just an email and be satisfied. And what are some of your favorite books or some of your favorite meals to cook? I would say my favorite writer is Charles Dickens, and I have read all his books, some of them some 40 years ago. And right now I'm reading David Copperfield. I like um, the Bronte sisters, Jane Austen, Thomas Hardy, George Eliot. That's where my love is. There's also, I think her name is Elizabeth Caskell. And uh, certain, I enjoy those books. I've enjoyed them, but some of them I have forgotten due to the passage of time and uh, I do like also to read some of the I wouldn't say documentary books but I'd say something that has a historical background and uh, that it becomes you know much more interesting for me on later life I like history books In the beginning, no. In school, I did not like history. But uh, as I'm getting older, I want to know more about the development of the world and what they passed through. Um, The other question was... What are your favorite meals to cook? My favorite meals to cook are many. And they are mainly Middle Eastern cooking. And I almost smile when I see a doctor 
and then they recommend Mediterranean food for me. That's all I've eaten all my life. I don't say anything if they didn't ask me where I was from, but I smile to myself. I love to cook what is called kibbe, which is cracked wheat with meat and stuffed with meat on the inside. You make the cracked wheat uh, with some meat into either balls or lay it in a tray and then put cooked uh, meat with onions and spices and then cover it again with the dough, kind of, and then bake it. Another dish, this best salad I love, is called tabbouleh, which is a combination of greens uh, like parsley, onion, tomato, and uh, again, the um, cracked wheat or what we call burgol. And uh, I like to make the favorite dish that I like to make especially that my granddaughter, who's interviewing me right now, (laughs) loves that dish. It's called kebab. It's different than what is called kebab here in the States because really it's closer to a hamburger, but it has the ground meat, parsley, onion, tomato, tomato paste, and spices. And then you just put it on a skewer and you grill it, and it is delicious. So usually I love kebab, but it means much more to me because of my granddaughter now. Uh, There are many, many dishes. I can speak for two hours, but I don't think I have that kind of time right now. (laughs) Yes, I love kebab. That is probably my favorite dish you make. And I also, she didn't mention this, but I also love hummus and pita bread. And I just started, I just started eating hummus. Like I didn't like it. I don't know. It's not that I didn't like it. I just didn't try it. But now I really like it and the pita bread that she has. So that's like my favorite meal. And I know that's kind of, it's a very common Middle Eastern dish. It's not even a a meal. It's just a snack, but I love it. So that's my favorite thing that she makes and kebab. Um, So my next question is, what are some of your favorite memories or any memories that you can recall from your childhood? Memories from my childhood are the closeness of the family, our immediate family, and that of my uncles and aunts. And we would get together. It doesn't have to be for supper or somebody has to work hard. Just drop in, have a cup of coffee. for the adults, the children would get water or whatever. And just being able to communicate. One memory that stands up in my mind is I would go to visit my aunt and she would be cooking with a, at the beginning of that period, on a kerosene burner, which would be on the ground. She would be squatting and cooking and I would squat in in front of her and we would talk the whole time that she was cooking that dish and that is a memory I cherish she was not she was illiterate she wasn't educated but she had the kindest sharpest mind I have ever ever seen so and just 
being with you know the family has meant a lot to me and uh enjoying my friends too and i know you mentioned how when or how in syria it was kind of different because people would just go over to each other's houses and they didn't need a reason and now in the united states like a lot of times we only go to see family if we're making a really big meal or if we're having a holiday dinner or something. So I just, I always have remember that you said that. It's a very interesting kind of cultural difference. But my next question is going to be, why did you decide to come to America? What did you think America has to offer? I decided to come to the United States when I was 24 years old. I had been educated in the American system in Syria where my parents taught, and then went to Lebanon, to the American University of Beirut, where I studied biology, got a master's in microbiology, and worked one year as an assistant instructor. And meanwhile, I decided I will come to the United States to get a PhD in microbiology, because we did not have it at the university where I was. So that was the reason, and I came, strangely or funny enough, to Ohio State University, (laughs) and now in my old age, I ended up coming back to Ohio. It's really interesting because I know that Mama studies, or she studied biology in college, so she kind of followed on that path, although... I probably will not study biology. I don't don't really like biology that much, but um, it's very interesting that you guys kind of studied similar things. Now, my next question is going to be, how was the adjustment to living in America and what struggles did you encounter or what do you think was the hardest thing about it? The struggles were twofold. One was when I first came to the United States to Columbus alone, didn't have a car, had to speak English the whole time, which even though I studied in English, but we spoke Arabic at home, at school, at the university, even though all my course, most of my courses towards the later years were in English. And to come here and have to speak daily English was a bit hard. And to adjust to a culture that was not really mine. I found it a lonelier culture somehow. And, but I came here to study, so I put my mind to just studying and doing my best. And the second struggle was after I got married, where I met my husband here, even though he's from my hometown, and raising my children and seeing what other parents do. Like we used to go to school from morning till noon, come home, have a lunch and a siesta, or rather it's an hour and a half break. And then we would go back to school till five o'clock. This was different here. And the kids had so many extracurricular activities which I wasn't used to. And I learned from my neighbors, oh, you take them to soccer or they play baseball. And life, you know, became busier. And then certain things I just, you know, 
wanted the children to be more at home and study and like the home atmosphere because that's what I had in my childhood. I feel like no one really talks about like the adjustment period. People just talk about, oh, now I live in America, but there's, I feel like there is that rough time that you go through and like the, all those cultural differences you mentioned. So I think it's also really brave that you came here alone because I know it's definitely not easy to do that. I can't even imagine leaving my family, traveling to a completely new country. So that's really just inspiring to hear about. And on top of that, I just want to, or not on top of that, but additionally, I just want to hear about what are your favorite things about America? What were you maybe not expecting to find in America that you ended up enjoying? I'm going to answer in a funny way. <laughs> what I didn't expect to find in America is a husband from my hometown. <laughs> <laughs> and I did. But uh, what I like is at least uh, the, the peace in the country. And I hope it stays this way. I like the opportunities open to anyone who is willing and people, most of them are kind and they want to be helpful. What surprised me most though is very, f not many people knew much about Syria, Lebanon, the Middle East or further anything outside their own domain like the U.S. And uh, one thing about a cultural thing, I used to go at the university in Lebanon and see the American kids who were students there play baseball. And I would watch and say, oh, what a game. Little did I know that I would be coming to the States and taking my children to <laughs> T-ball. Okay. Okay, my next question is, what do you miss most about Syria, besides your family? It's hard to answer this question because what's happening in Syria in the last few years is not really the Syria I grew up in. So when I become nostalgic, I don't become nostalgic or think of what's happening in the last few years, 10, 15 years, the chaos and the, the unhappiness and the war and so on. I think of the peaceful Syria I grew up in, of how people of three different religions communicated and dealt with each other. I miss the kind of the informal social life, which I like being in the States, yes, and I have my children, but it's a different social life. It's a lonelier life. I miss that as much as you can. It's here people work harder and... Uh, that's about, you know, it, of course, there are many opportunities here, but still, uh, it's a different lifestyle. When you say that people work harder, do you mean that people are more involved in their work and that the home life, maybe family, is a little less important? I think to answer that question depends on the individual. 
if you want to put your family first. It is a big responsibility when you have children to give them your best. And when you need to work outside the home to provide, it becomes harder. And since there are so many things to buy and go to, as if there's a trend more towards more materialism, maybe I am wrong, and that makes the person aspire more to work more, to make more money. And that's where I feel one should make a choice. Do you make a bit less and care more for the family? So it's a personal choice. That makes sense. And thank you for elaborating on that. And what you said about kind of there being this air of materialism here, I definitely have to agree. I feel like I feel like sometimes people can definitely lose sight of what's really the most important thing in life, which is, you know, your family and forming relationships with other people. And sometimes people can go overboard with wanting to be super successful in their career, maybe not have as much in their home life. So that's a really interesting point that you brought up. My next question is going to be, I want, or not a question, honestly, just your experiences. I want to know what were your studies like at college? I know you talked about what you studied, where you studied, but do you have any specific experiences or anything you want to elaborate on related to college? Since I have mentioned I went to an American school in Syria where it was run by missionaries and natives. According to the government, we had to have both the English, uh, I mean, uh, the Arabic curriculum and the English language at first. Starting from elementary school, we would have everything in Arabic, one period of English a day. Then in high school, uh, it was a bit more of courses in English, but still we had to carry the Arabic program. So I had a junior college degree in the arts, in the language, in Arabic, and that year was my sophomore degree and I was in sciences. I enjoyed both. I have to confess, I love the Arabic language. It's a hard language, but it is so rich. To me, I would have gone into that as a major, but I did not have the role models who I thought I would copy and go into that and get a higher degree in it. I chose the sciences. I enjoyed them. And much more than the biology biology, I enjoyed the microbiology, I guess because it had to do more with germs and sickness and all that. And that, to me, was fascinating, and that's why I decided to continue on with my education. It's interesting that you bring Arabic up, because I was actually going to touch on that in a later part of the interview. But I wanted to know, or first, I guess I want to say, because I don't think I've ever told you before, but I kind of wish instead of German, I took Arabic. But by the time I was in German, it was too late to switch. But it would have definitely been cool if I knew some Arabic and com- could communicate with you, especially you and Jito. I could practice with you guys. So I guess 
I feel like for me, that's something I wish I knew. And I've always wished I was bilingual and I've told you that before, but it's interesting to hear your perspective on English and Arabic and how much you love the language. And I guess my next question is, this is kind of a fun question, but what are some of your favorite phrases or words in Arabic and what do you love and what do you love most about the language? A favorite phrase really is when somebody is leaving town or leaving my house. The way to say goodbye, you say Allah Makun, which means may God be with you. And it has always meant a lot to me. And when my children used to travel to college or wherever they were going with their families later, I would say my last words would be Allah Makum. And uh, there's the word which says, uh, Habibi means my love, but it it is it does not have the feeling always of the romantic, you say it to your child, you say it to your husband, you say it to your mother. It denotes affection, a lot of affection. And uh, why do I love the language? When you get more into the language, there is what we call uh, deciphering the poems and it is it's like there's a big difference between the colloquial and the classical arabic and the classical arabic is very rich and very hard too i had a love for it and you would read a poem and maybe not understand anything but then you think of certain words you go to the root of the word and it's fascinating it's challenging the grammar is also challenging it's a very rich language one of the few words that i know in arabic is actually habibi and habibti because you always say oh habibti so i know matthew and i matthew is my brother matthew and i are always joking saying oh habibi but it's funny i that's like those are my two favorite words to say in arabic i think but also um, the phrase that you said, drot al-blot, that's, that's, my, that's my funny, I love saying that, it's funny. Um, so yeah, that's interesting to hear perspective though on Arabic, and I never knew, I mean, I knew that you really liked the language, but I never knew you considered studying it in college, so that's interesting to hear about. This next question, take your time to think about what you would say, but I want, I'm curious to know what advice would you give to younger generations, like my generation? Advice is to apply yourselves. You don't have to be the top student. You just have to do your best. And that's what I asked of my children. One of my children came home and he said, oh, I got to be in AP biology. Are you upset? I said, no, but I have a question for you. He said, most of the class didn't do well. I said, answer my question. Was that to the best of your ability, did you study well for it? He said, no. I answered, I am upset. It's not that I want him to have an A or every time, but if he told me 
That's the best I could do. So my advice to young people is apply yourselves and what you're given to work with is your best and that will satisfy you inwardly too. Respect your elders because they have passed through life. They have had experiences and they are willing to help. Yes, I know you feel independent, you feel you're growing up, which is good to get independence, but there is a place always for dialogue with your elders and in an, in a quiet, nice way. Uh, I had this a lot with my father, where we would discuss things. Even after I had my children, I would get advice from my own father. And my next question is, if you could travel anywhere in the world, where would you go and why? Since I've not been to Syria since I left in 1965, I would love to go and visit my hometown, Aleppo. At least what I remember is it was a beautiful city. The castle we have there is amazing. I don't know what the situation is now, but that would be the first trip. I'm half Lebanese. I would like to go to Lebanon, but my craving would be to my hometown, Aleppo, where I spent so many good years. And what are your favorite places in Syria when you were growing up? Like, what did you like to do in Syria? What were your favorite places to go? If someone were a tourist and Syria was exactly how you remembered in your childhood, where would you send them? I would take them to the citadel in Aleppo. It's thousands of years old. And it has a lot of history in it. I would take them to the old market, which we call the souk. And that was a beautiful thing. I, even though I grew up there, any time I had a chance to go there with my dad, or if I had friends visiting from another country, I would take them there. Uh, we had some uh, parks, not a lot, but they were nice and they had you know birds and so on and that I would take them to and then we had so many uh, ruins from Roman times there's a lot of history there in the countryside you have to go away to the countryside or uh, if I had a chance and I did only twice to take some friends to uh, villages where life at that point was so different from the city. Very different, but very interesting too. So that's what I would do and uh, just give them good food and uh, Turkish coffee. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a very exciting day. And if I could go with you, I definitely would <laughs> to go on that adventure. Okay. Um, my last question, I guess, is going to be, is there anything else that I didn't ask you about that you want to talk about 
That could be experiences, just random things. What else? Anything else you would want to say? If you like the story about my having hair, my hair cut by the barber who used to cut my father's hair. At that time, barbers were just for men and hairdressers were just for women. My mother was a teacher also, and she liked to cook and keep a neat house. So on Saturday would be the day my dad would go to have a haircut. Of course, I didn't go every Saturday being a girl, but whenever he had to go, he would help my mother by taking me to his barber for years. When I was 11 years old, I still remember I had a striped dress, white and red, with flowers on it, tiny flowers. And he put me on a stool and was cutting my hair. And in that shop, the barber, there were about 10 men sitting around, waiting for their turn. And I felt upset that I am a girl. Why am I here? Of course, with my dad. So I told my father, that's it. Mama has to help me go to a hairdresser, which she did. She went with me the first time. But things were so peaceful that after 11 you know, after the first trip where I knew where that place is, I would go alone. When I got married, which was when I was 25, which gave us a good, what, 14 years after I had my hair cut, I received, I was in the States, I received a beautiful gift sent by my father. And in it, he says, this is from Artine. Artine is the barber who cut my hair when I was a child. When he heard I was married, he sent me a beautiful necklace and a bracelet and a ring made of silver. And he said, this is to the only girl whose hair I have cut. <laughs> to me, that that is amazing. <laughs> I remember the first time you told me that story and I laughed. That was so funny. And you said you still have the bracelet and all the jewelry today, right? Yes. Wow, that is a long time, but that's amazing. I love that connection and that story. So I just want to thank you, Teta, for mm -hmm. being in this interview and sharing some of your experiences and thoughts. And do you have anything else you'd like to say? You are welcome, Habibti. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Thank you guys for listening, and I'll see you next time.